Greetings and welcome to this episode of The Black Madonna Speaks with me, your host, Stephanie Georgiev. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to my Patreon supporters. Our community is growing and I'm so grateful to you for all your multi-level support. I also wanted to let everyone know that we have space available in the Search for Sacred Origins Tour to Namibia in September. If you would like to participate in this once-in-a-lifetime event, there's another link in the program notes for a detailed itinerary and booking form. Airfare is way down right now, and it's a great time to book your flight, so if you want to join us, I encourage you to start the process. I'm also including a link for a promotional video that gives a more animated description for the tour with leader Sarnia Kitong. This link is also in the program notes, and my Patreon supporters who cannot attend this event, they will be getting transcripts, copies of slides, as well as recordings of the talks. Sorry, we cannot reproduce the safari aspect of the trip's exploration of the deserts and coasts of Namibia. I just don't have the camera and video equipment in order to do that. So if you really want to experience these things, you're going to have to come in person. Here we are in the middle of May, starting the second year of broadcasting The Black Madonna Speaks. To be honest, I was wondering a few months ago if I had exhausted the subject, and then I started down the ever-amazing labyrinth of The Black Madonna, and luckily for us all, there is much more to discover regarding this incredible genre. I'm hoping to include more guests in the coming months, and I'm happily delving into some lesser-known but equally influential and important Black Madonnas across the globe. I was a guest on a recent podcast. I was asked how many Black Madonnas exist in the world. I did not know the exact number and feebly answered that I did not know, but there's a lot of them. I should know this, actually. I'm supposed to be a lay scholar here. But it was a great question. Well, now I have a ballpark figure, and it's over 300 in Europe alone. So hopefully, if all the stars are aligned, we can continue on this amazing journey of the soul with our mysterious companion, the Black Madonna. One of the things I thoroughly enjoy about this subject is the overlap with so many different streams of culture, spirituality, and science. This episode continues to delight me in doing just that. The mother of God of the Bull, or as she is known to her Catalonian community of Olat, Mara de Diu del Tura. What I find so very interesting about this particular Black Madonna is one of the folk customs regarding her and the small children who were brought to her, which I will explore later in this podcast. The Mother of God of the Bull is found at the Sanctuary of Our Lady of Tura in Olat, Catalonia. This unique city is in the foothills of the Pyrenees. The location is unique in that Olat is in the midst of several volcanoes. This is also true for the Black Madonna of Le Puy in Valais in France. Hmm, maybe a connection? Olat is located on a plain surrounded by the mountain ranges of Valenti, Ayagranera, 
the Plateau of Batet, Marboleni, and St. Valentini de la Pina. I'm sure I did not pronounce those properly, especially with the Catalan accent, so apologies to all those people in Catalonia that are cringing at present. The plain is crossed by the Fluvia River and the Ridarora stream. There are four volcanoes in, in the city of Olat called Montoveleve, Monte Copa, Garanada, and Bascaroques. Again, apologies for my Southern California accent. This region of modern Spain is quite interesting mainly because it is near the French border in the Pyrenees Mountains. Olat is also in the region of Catalonia. The mythology surrounding the Pyrenees is fascinating, and it mainly involves Hercules and his beloved Pyrene, daughter of Atlas. Hercules was the child of Zeus and the mortal Alcemena. The story of how Zeus impregnated Alcemena don't know whether she's pronounced Alcemna or Alchemna. Alchemna. So again, sorry. I read a lot and I never know how everything is pronounced, so I deeply apologize. I kind of like Alchemna. Alchemna. It's it's spelled A C A L C M E N A. And this story is a bit similar to the story of how King Arthur was conceived, meaning that Zeus disguised himself in Alcmena's husband's, and here's another big name, I can imagine the wedding invitations, Amphitryon, for what Alcmena thought was an evening of passion with her beloved instead of a well-endowed imposter. And Hercules was the result. I'm not sure how she figured out the ruse, but Alcmena feared Hera's wrath, because apparently Zeus was just impregnating all sorts of people everywhere, really upsetting Hera. And she always was taking out her revenge on the women rather than the uh, him. I guess if you're married to Lord of the Universe, it's difficult to exact revenge. But anyways, Hera was upset and uh, Alcmena was, uh, you know, she wanted to protect the child, so she tried to hide him. And he was eventually found and brought to Hera by Minerva. Hera decided to raise the child, and she tried to suckle the infant, who eventually bit off one of her nipples, which leaked profusely, creating the Milky Way star system. Now, when I read this, I was like, wow, that's really kind of an odd story. But there you go. That's how the Milky Way got its name. Later in life, Hercules fell in love with Pyrene. But they were forbidden to wed because the gal's daddy, Atlas, did not approve. Hercules, in a fit of rage, took his axe and chopped a piece of land, which we now call the Straits of Gibraltar. This action caused the flooding of Atlantis and the creation of the Mediterranean Sea. 
Pirene was later killed, and Hercules, in a state of grief, decided to pile rocks upon her body, creating the Pyrenees Mountains. I'm telling you, I did not remember ever learning this part of Greek and Roman mythology. It's quite turbulent, to say the least, but I think the creation of the Milky Way galaxy and how the Camino is supposed to be an earthly imprint of this star system, and that it goes through the Pyrenees, deserves quite a bit of study, to say the least. So this very dramatic story is the mythological background of the region where Olat is nestled. As the Pyrenees are the mountain range of the Camino, leading from France into northern Spain, this encompasses a large aspect of the path of initiation. It is of note that when one goes on pilgrimage, that it is part of a nature initiation. A nature initiation means that one encounters all the elements of air, fire, earth, and water. The landscape and path of the Camino, especially in this region, is a breathtakingly beautiful journey through the elements. In the mountains, one encounters the element of air and the elementals of the sylphs, the invisible beings of the air. I think it's also significant that the region where Olat resides is a meeting of all the elements, the air of the mountains, the water of the river Fluvia, and the fire and earth of the volcanoes. Catalonia is a semi-autonomous region with a long history of independence from Spain and other kingdoms surrounding it. In fact, Catalan is a different language than Spanish, and the most audible difference is that the S sound is a th sound. So one must say Barcelona rather than Barcelona in order to properly speak the name, and I can say that properly. This region of the Iberian Peninsula is an interesting mix of ancient mystery traditions. The northern aspect of Spain is where the Jupiter mysteries were practiced, and the eastern aspect is where the Venus mysteries traditionally were honored. Rudolf Steiner had an insight on this region, specifically of the Iberian Peninsula, in a lecture called The Mission of the Folk Souls. And there's quite a few lectures, but this is one of them. And here's the quote. All the individual shades of culture, all the particular missions of the peoples of Western Europe can finally be explained by the fact that in the area of the Italian and Iberian peninsulas was to be developed that which could be formed in the eye, quote unquote, eye, through the impulses of the sentient soul. If you study the individual folk characters in their positive and negative aspects, you will find that the peoples of the Italian and Iberian peninsulas reflect a peculiar fusion of the eye with the sentient soul. And this is the mission of the folk souls, G.A., which means General Archive 121. 
For those not familiar with anthroposophical terminology, there are several aspects to the human body, soul, and spirit. The sentient soul is the part of the soul that the human being starts to have non-physical inner life, albeit dependent on impulses that arrive through the physical body. One can ponder this quite a bit, actually, and I'm thinking that both of these peninsulas were surrounded by different oceans and also had close proximity to different continents. The Iberian Peninsula, for one, has had quite a history of blending so many different cultures, but each had a profound contribution to the formation of Western civilization and the formation of the individuality, the I, the aspect of the non-physical inner life, that this started to be developed through the development of human consciousness on this peninsula is really interesting to me, and that there are so many Black Madonnas there. That's just interesting. You can do with that what you will. Now, the mother of God of the bull is housed in a church that bears her name, the Sanctuary of Our Lady of Tura. There's not any information I'm aware of as to the artist involved with this particular Madonna. And if this image had traveled across land or sea with any sort of clergy or saint, what is of great interest is that the image seems to have been hidden during the period of the Arab Muslim incursions into the Iberian Peninsula in the 7th century and afterwards. While this region of Spain had never been under siege or control of the Arabs, in fact, this area was free during the entire 7th century Arab occupation. It is of note that this image was found under a mound of dirt in a rural area outside of Olot, in 872 AD. The legend states that an ox went every day to scratch a particular patch of ground near a cave by the Mas Caritat, a small rural agricultural building on the outskirts of Olat. The Mas Caritat was built probably on an earlier building with several additions and transformations that still exist on the edge of a lot. One day, a plowman, who was the owner of the ox, was surprised by the animal's insistence and repetitive behavior of scratching at a specific patch of ground. This plowman was apparently up on his Black Madonna narratives and dug in the place where the oxen was obsessively scratching, finally finding the image of the Virgin Mary we see today. Since that time, there have been several restorations of the Virgin, making her skin and that of the infant more white with each restoration. There are all sorts of scholarly arguments over certain Black Madonnas and whether or not they were originally white, but it seems that the pilgrims and devotees of various Black Madonnas want their Madonnas to be black, in fact, while the original image at the sanctuary is what I call currently rather tan at present, all copies of the Mother of God of the Bull throughout history 
and up to the present, feature the skin of both the virgin and child as black. An interesting theme of this Madonna is her name, Tura, which is an ancient Catalan word for bull. I find this interesting for several reasons. One is that this Madonna is one of the very few that is pictured with a bull at her feet. The other is that the artist most commonly associated with Black Madonnas is the evangelist Luke. Although there is no artist, not even Luke, responsible for this one to my knowledge. In any case, what is interesting to me is that the symbol in most depictions of the evangelist Luke is the bull. He's often pictured as painting a Madonna, and sometimes he's painting a Madonna while seated next to a bull. The symbol of the bull has many meanings in different traditions, even within Christianity. An interesting look at the Gospel of Luke comes from Emil Bach in his two-volume series, Studies in the Gospels. In this fascinating exploration of all four Gospels, Bach writes that Luke is the most oriented of all Gospels towards women, meaning women are prominently featured in this Gospel. After the Nativity story, which features shepherds, angels, and a star over Bethlehem, all with a birth of the Christ child in a stable, the rest of the gospel is one long journey towards Golgotha. While some scholars view the symbol of the bull associated with Luke as signifying the sacrificial nature of Christ, I tend to view the bull in anthroposophical terms, meaning it is a symbol of the will. A casual overview of the ministry of Christ, especially in terms of Luke, a lot of will was involved in bringing about this mystery of the Christ being an incarnation. I think the folk custom associated with the mother of the god of bull illustrates this quite remarkably. Now, according to the website Interfaith Mary, in the Black Madonna Gallery under the Olot entry, a local ritual for parents of young children of Olot is that when your baby is about ready to walk, you bring the child before the mother of God of the bull, Santa Maria del Tura. Parents put on brand new shoes on the child's feet and let them take their first steps in the presence of the Virgin while the mother recites this prayer. Here I bring you this child of mine, because in jumping from my arms, I want it to take its first steps before you and before God. What I find absolutely remarkable is that when a child begins to walk, Obviously, the legs and feet are the body parts involved. Our limbs are our agents of our will. And a child, when it begins to walk, it is the first act of will on the part of the individual. And anybody who has raised a small child from that darling child sitting in the infant seat to the person that dismantles your home 
when they start walking, you know what I mean by agents of will. So I find it interesting that people of Olat have their children exercise their first act of independent will in the presence of both an ox bull along with a black Madonna. I have often remarked at how so many black Madonnas have such large hands and that their feet are often visible when other forms of Madonnas, one cannot always see the feet and the hands are usually to scale. In anthroposophical color interpretation, the color black is the color of cosmic will being transformed into human will. So these are very interesting correlations, especially since Olat is on the Camino de Santiago de Compostela, the path that Olat is on is called the Camino Catalan. And for those of you who are interested, this is not a well-traveled path. So if you're wanting a lot of isolation, in addition to an incredible Camino experience, this is a lovely path to enter. As you have heard me say in previous podcasts, the Camino de Santiago de Compostela is a path of modern initiation. You've also heard me say how the Knights Templar were responsible for bringing many Black Madonnas to the European continent from the Holy Land during the time of the Crusades. The Knights were responsible for one of the most ambitious as well as widespread building projects of various cathedrals, churches, and shrines in, of all time, actually, but especially during their two-century tenure. I mean, when you really consider there weren't that many people uh, in Europe at that time and how long it took to do everything, because everything was done by hand. They didn't have cranes and cars and things like that. So it's amazing when you look at the scale of their building projects. And for those of you who are watching the reconstruction of the Notre Dame de Paris that burnt down several years ago, and what is going on with all the technology and craftsmanship just to repair that cathedral, knowing that that was built during this time, they completed it, it it's quite quite amazing. The whole, the whole aspect of the Templars building projects for me is just really blows the mind. Now, the other thing that's so fascinating is that these um, knights placed black Madonnas that they brought with them from the Holy Land and other travels, in my opinion, when they were going into Ethiopia and uh, different places in North Africa. They also brought back Black Madonnas with them. That's my theory. I can't, you know, I can't give you a footnote on that, but I, I, think, I think it's a pretty good one. Uh, but these knights, uh, amongst their various travels, they picked up these Black Madonnas, and they put these Black Madonnas at various power points along the Camino which at the time, these PowerPoints were recognized as Christian shrines and churches. 
Initiation is a process where people awaken to the truths behind the great mysteries of the universe. That is one heck of a bumper sticker, if you ask me. And it, it doesn't even scratch at the surface about really what initiation is, but I do have to convey this simply as possible. And so that's how I see this. Before the time of Christ, only a select few were choos- chosen to go through various ordeals in order to gain wisdom and awareness with regards to certain mysteries. And these select people who were called initiates after their ordeals would be able to convey messages from the spiritual world to the uninitiated. These messages, often in the form of oracles, were pertinent to the specific age at hand. One of the events of the crucifixion the Christian crucifixion of Jesus Christ that often does not get much notice because while there's so much to pay attention to regarding that cosmic changing event is the earthquake at the time of Christ's death on the cross. We read in Matthew 27, 51 through 52. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook The rocks split and the tombs broke apart. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. We see in many medieval depictions of the Virgin Mary as a child in art as well as legends from the same period that the Virgin Mary was dedicated to the temple at an early age. One of the tasks attributed to her was to weave the veil or the curtain as we hear in this modern rendition of Matthew. I'm going to read you a quote from that 13th century bestseller, The Golden Legend. And for those of you who are really interested in the non-biblical legends surrounding various uh, Bible individuals as well as certain saints. You can get this on Kindle and you can also, I highly recommend getting it in paperback. It comes in two volumes and it's just fascinating reading. Sometimes it's a little difficult because it can be a little misogynist and anti-Semitic, but this was written by people in the 12, you know, the 1200s when those were the modern attitudes of the day. And you can see why some people have such a hard time with particularly uh, Christianity when it comes to both misogyny as well as anti-Semitism. I didn't see very much racism, but um, there are very interesting legends if you can sift through some of the statements uh, that are not so flattering. But this one comes from the section of the book on the childhood of Mary. Anna and Joachim conceived and brought forth a daughter, and they called her name Mary. When she was weaned at the age of three, the parents brought her to the Lord's temple with offerings. Having made their offering, Joachim and Anna left their daughter in the temple 
with other virgins and went home. Mary advanced steadily in all holiness. Angels visited her every day, and she enjoyed the vision of God daily. In a letter to Chromatius and Heliodorus, Jerome says that the Blessed Virgin had made a rule for herself. The time from dawn to the third hour she would devote to prayer, and from the third to the ninth hour she worked at weaving, and from the ninth hour on she prayed without stopping until an angel appeared and brought her food. Unquote. Now, I have no idea who Chromatus and Heliodorus were, but apparently uh, Jerome was writing to them, uh, St. Jerome, and uh, he was telling them about this schedule. And based on this legend, which definitely was reflecting the uh, legends and stories and narratives of the time, we see a lot of art uh, with Mary weaving, and then the legend goes on to say that Mary wove the veil that stood between the main sanctuary in Solomon's temple in Jerusalem and the Holy of Holies. Now, the Holy of Holies was a small room at the front of the sanctuary that housed the Ark of the Covenant. And in ancient Hebrew traditions, very few people could even touch the art, and no one got to see it, except the high initiate priests, who would open the curtains once a year during the high holy days so that the public could see the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the esoteric and cosmic significance of this event and the rending of the veil has many layers, mainly that for those of you who are up on your um, movies of the Ark of the Covenant, as well as biblical uh, stories, the Ark of the Covenant housed the uh, Ten Commandments. It housed a bowl of manna, which the children of Israel would gather every day, and that's what they lived on for 40 years while they were wandering through the desert. And it also had the rod of Aaron, who was the brother of Moses. Now, what is fascinating about the whole significance of the Ten Commandments, obviously these are stone tablets and we understand what these are, but in terms of the development of human consciousness and the whole goal of the evolution of human consciousness is to create independence. We need to learn how to be independent. We need to think independently. And what the Ten Commandments signified was a guide for understanding things internally rather than being told what to do. And yes, obviously you get this little list of things that you're supposed to, to adhere to, but what they're doing is causing people to think about things. In fact, there are all sorts of scholars, religious scholars, who are saying they don't like the word commandment. It's more of a guideline. Because if you really think about each one of these commandments, 
you realize that if you follow them, you're going to have a much more harmonious life. If you're not stealing from people and lying and cheating with their spouses, you're going to have a much nicer life, right? Because you're not going to feel bad and things like that. So, But the, the deep esoteric significance of the Ten Commandments is a step towards individuality, individual thought, and the development of morality. How is it that we choose to be loving, kind, and harmonious with our fellow human being. And that takes uh, a lot of thought, and it also takes some will, to be honest with you. So that's what was inside this Ark of the Covenant, and it's what nobody could actually see because it was in the Ark of the Covenant, and you couldn't even look at the Ark of the Covenant unless you'd gone through all these initiation processes and it was the highest form of priesthood and once a year you could see this but obviously only from a little bit of a distance. Now the esoteric and cosmic significance of the rending of the veil meaning at the time of the crucifixion when Christ released his spirit this tearing of the veil was uh, showed that the separation between divinity and humanity was no more. That everyone on earth, regardless of status, now had access to divinity. No longer was there a specific initiation process for a select group of people who would in turn disseminate messages from the divine to the uninitiated masses. Because of Golgotha, now initiation was open to all. It was an individual event every human being could access. Life became the ordeal every human being would endure in order to have the mysteries of the universe open to them. Life with all its glorious highs and crushing lows that are experienced by every human being became the initiation, the modern initiation. So this brings a really interesting insight into your daily life. You know, if you're feeling either overwhelmed or bored, you can think, wow, I'm being initiated. Because you are, actually. I'm, I'm being silly and snarky, but it's actually true. Now, while wonderful programs of all sorts often boast of some sort of initiation process, and I speak about people who think they have to go to far off distant lands and to certain mountains and drink certain stuff in order to be initiated, what is really actually true is that simply living day to day and being open to what is before us is the path of modern initiation post-Golgotha, post-resurrection. That's the initiation. Now, for obvious reasons, those who had gone through various initiations beforehand and were used to their positions of having special status in terms of disseminating information to the uninitiated, there were obvious abuses of such status and we can see the vestiges of this concept in terms of hierarchies in various religious institutions. 
And one of the reasons the religious hierarchies of Palestine were so upset about Christ doing things like healing and raising people from the dead is that they did not want their secrets and mystery traditions to be public. Opening the door to the public on having access to such mysteries put a dent in their income sources, as well as their position of power over others. In any case, a casual observation of life and the spread of the Christ impulse shows that life certainly has been an initiation to all who want to seek wisdom and knowledge. And I often say, I don't, I don't believe that, you know, we're being led like by trainers, you know, oh, well, this is a test and that's a test and jump through this hoop. What I feel and, and how I recognize the great trials of life is that the spiritual world can help us make them useful. And that's part of our initiation process. Because it, it, sometimes it doesn't make sense why certain people experience um, really great challenges and others don't. And all I can say is that those that's a mystery to me as well. And also that whatever it is that we are enduring, it can be made useful. It can be made useful. And so what is true... Um, is that in order to make all of the challenges of our daily lives, uh, these ordeals of life, that in order to meet such ordeals, a great willpower must be employed. Now, we should never underestimate the many seamless, mundane challenges that we face as well as the great trials of life that are often presented to us. Everything is an opportunity to increase our awareness of the great mysteries of life if we are open. And often through such trials, and often there is great pain. For those of us who have endured such pain, we can gather great wisdom, or we can choose to be either unconscious or simply give up or be very bitter. And to not be bitter, I can tell you from great personal experience, involves a lot of willpower. It really does. And I felt for a long while that one of the lessons and gifts of the Black Madonnas, particularly those along the Camino, is that they are symbols of encouragement that if we employ our wills along the path we take in our individual initiation, we can transform ourselves. And I think this is one of the reasons why there are so many Black Madonnas, particularly our Mother of God of the Bull, but several other Black Madonnas that are either involved bulls in their discoveries or they are said to be have made by Luke the Evangelist, and his symbol is the bull, is that in order to really meet life and to choose to be loving, because everything's a choice, everything, everything is a choice. That's my opinion, and I know 
sometimes you can get a little little dicey on that concept, but everything really is a choice in terms of our actions as well as how we choose to think and respond. Everything is a choice. And it takes a lot of willpower to choose to be moral, to choose to be loving, to choose to be tolerant. None of these are easy things. And those choices, as I said, involve a lot of willpower. And I think it's so interesting that um, that these Black Madonnas really embody that whole concept of will. And so as the Black Madonna, and the Madonna in general, but especially the Black Madonna, is an artistic symbol signifying the highest capacity of the human soul with these large hands and the visible feet and the dark color of the skin. These all present the highest capacity of the human will. I find it fascinating that the mother of God of the bull was discovered by a symbol of divine human will and that the custom to encourage young children to take their first steps in front of this beautiful and historic image that by some miracle was placed underground along the Camino Catalan is a testament to the power of human will and the potential of human will for truth, beauty, and goodness. While all periods of human history have been challenging, our current era has deep challenges that we have never encountered before in terms of our capacity to annihilate all of life with the press of a button, as well as transforming the planet in terms of climate change. Most people on earth at present, and there are more people on earth at present than at at any other time in human history, including combined, which I find really interesting. This is a unique challenge. While some billionaires think we should simply go out in space, I personally love our planet And we must figure out how to live in harmony and cooperation here. And that space colonization is another way to step aside in terms of our responsibilities and initiation here on Earth. It will take much willpower to overcome our many challenges. But through the Black Madonna, we are being told by the spiritual world that we are, in fact, up to the challenge if we choose. So I'm going to draw this lovely episode to a conclusion with a lovely poem that was written for this Madama. Pure blood Olentine, we bring you anima inside. Mother to us, Virgin of Tura, protect the Olentines. This sanctuary is centuries old. It is our manor house. If we pass the Holy Rosary, 
thorns do not hurt us. Your shadow is our fortune, and we will get rid of the damages, Mother. Beautiful flower that shines in the sun, perfumes our paths, Mother. This is Stephanie Georgiev saying thank you so much for spending your valuable time with me. I hope you have found the Black Virgin of Olad as inspiring as I have. And I wish you many blessings upon your journey, your initiation of your precious soul.